Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Thank you. All right. I always listen carefully to what my wife prays because we've been doing this a while together. And I used to say all the time that her prayers are the reason I am this way. And uh, so she, she got Jesus first. And uh, I think at that point she took to praying for me. And uh, that was the end of that story. So open in your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews. I heard her say that, that I should not get off track today. I don't know if that means she's hungry and needs to go to the restaurant to eat or, or whether or not I have not been uh, very good at this. I'm going to choose the latter that occasionally I can get off track. But I'm, I'm preaching something today that um, I, uh, oh good, he put the title up there, that when God began to speak to me this week on Tuesday, I just chuckled because he said, I want you to teach about invisible exercise. And I went, yeah, that's the kind of exercise I like. <laughs> The invisible kind. And so I want to start with a quote this morning that uh, people are, are generally in agreement with the idea of exercising. But we do not exercise because of the filter that we use to consider exercising. We're always going to start tomorrow, soon, maybe next week. Maybe I need a new pair of gym trunks. Maybe I'm just too tired from work. And maybe, honestly, I just have an attitude. And so I want you to understand that what I'm, I'm going to teach today is invisible exercise. This is the most important exercise that you could ever do. Because when you exercise the invisible, when you exercise what you can't see and do that correctly according to God's word, what you're doing is you're exercising your spiritual discernment, your ability to see clearly and hear clearly what God is is saying to you and how he's leading you. So in Hebrews chapter uh, 5, I want you to look with me at the 12th verse and following where it says, though by this time you ought to be teachers You need someone to teach you, and notice this word, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, we don't talk that way anymore, but the word for oracles there could literally be burden or heaviness. And so what God teaches us in the first principles are really those heavy kinds of things that say, wait a minute, your life is not your own. That's a really heavy thing. You don't own your own life. And Jesus purchased you. You've been bought with a price. Those are all real heavy things, but they're elementary. Those are the beginning principles of understanding Christianity. And most of us don't want to exercise this invisible side of these things because we like the control that we have in our own life. We don't like somebody else telling us what to do. We, in particular at times, don't want God interfering with what we have full control over. Right? We've got it figured out, God. I'll, I'll get back to you in a week when it doesn't go right. But right now, i got it figured out. And we don't want God. But see, when we exercise these things, these, these invisible exercising, you know, it, 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 it causes us 
to work outside of our natural understanding and our natural reality. And if you've learned anything, as I've talked for weeks about, about the money talk, that most of understanding spiritual money principles is actually in this invisible realm. Everything else in our life we can understand through salvation that, you know, there's kind of some invisible stuff that goes on. I mean, we worship an invisible guy. An invisible guy lives in our heart. Somebody even more invisible than that speaks to us, the Holy Spirit, which is really this, this, this oxymoron of thi- moron of, this, this, this picture of, of difficult thought processes. Is it my conscience that's speaking to me or is it the Holy Spirit that's speaking to me? See, we get both of those things. We're trying to figure those things out. And so we exercise here. So let's keep reading in our verse and notice what it says. It says, to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. These are very simplistic things that, that, that the writer of Hebrews is, is, is relating to us. He's saying these are the real simple things. These are the first steps. And so he has to come back and reteach them. Look what he says. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Much of the time in churches like ours, people will cry out for something different than the milk of the word. But let me point out to you that if you're not exercised in chewing on the spiritual revelation that comes with solid spiritual food. You understand the Bible says no greater love has any man than he lay down his life for his brother. You got to chew on that a little bit because I ain't dying for very many of you. Right? I mean, don't look up here and say, well, pastor, you're the pastor. You don't pay me to die for you. That's not the point, right? The point is, in crucifixion, I'm killed for you. In crucifixion, you're killed for others. But nobody likes it. Right? When we have difficulty with the old guy of our life... Come on, some of you are looking at me like I'm from another planet. Your old guy comes back to life regularly based on your opinions. Well, amen. You say, well, I didn't think I did that. We all do it. We want things to be a particular way, and so we don't oftentimes exercise not only our physical bodies, but our spiritual side. And that's what this verse is about. You have to prepare yourself to chew the spiritual food that God offers mature people. It's hard, people of God. And you say, I just want it to be easy, Pastor. Just preach an easy message. Technically, there isn't such a thing as an easy message. There's only a message that you agree with, and then you think it's a, that it's easy. So if I teach you what you already know, you can leave here and think I'm okay. If I teach you something that you've got, which I'm going to do today, I'm going to teach you something you're going to have to chew on. You can leave here and go, the pastor has lost his mind. Because you're going to have to chew on this. You're going to have to cooperate with the exercising of your spirit man. You just say, well, I don't know how to do that. That's what you got to chew on. God, how do you want me to do this? And guess what? When you exercise your spirit man, you may learn how to physically bite your tongue. So that not everything you know comes dribbling out of your mouth. Because something you know isn't necessary to be shared with everybody. Because some of what you know is in the way of what you need to know. Right? Don't let what you know get in the way of what you need to know. 
So many people think they know about God. And, and so then, because of their experience, they don't believe God does miracles. Well, first of all, if you're born again, just look at yourself and begin to thank God for the miracle. Because you weren't worth it. None of us were. And yet God chose us. He looked from His position in heaven and said, Jesus pays for that one and that one and that one. We weren't worth it. It's not even the point. But you've got to chew on that. If you're going to get into this spiritual discerning thing of understanding how the spirit world works, in particular for us, we're talking about money, but, but if you're going to understand this, you're going to have to chew on some of this stuff. And it's going to require some invisible exercise. Notice what else it says in our passage here. It says in 12, it says, You come to need milk and, and, and not solid food. Remember, you all got real excited when your baby got old enough that either you decided or your doctor told you, start putting some basic oatmeal down there, gullet, you know, and you put, how many ever did that way? I said, my nephew is here. And, and what didn't he like? Green beans. Green beans. <laughs> so we take care of him, Brian. He's sitting right there. His, I, won't, I won't embarrass him by saying Brian Rogers, but, but anyway. <laughs> He did not like green beans. And guess what? Mom and dad would let us take care of him and in the bag to feed him green beans. And you'd take that little spoon and you'd put it in there and he'd kind of purse his lips and wouldn't, you know, and then you'd put it in there and he'd, you know, make faces and wiggle. Now we knew green beans was good for him. I even thought about putting some salt and pepper in there for him. You know, let's, let's dance this up a little bit so it'd be, you know, put, put something on there and make it taste good. But it looks like bad stuff in that jar. I mean, green beans, broccoli, sweet potatoes that are liquefied, no thank you very much. But you see, sometimes we have to exercise a little bit of that. And we're so glad when they can give food, but sometimes the food you offer, they don't like. And you don't just throw a 10-ounce piece of steak on their plate. Right? Or do you? If you do, man, it's hilarious to watch them. They don't have teeth, man. They will pick that piece of meat up and chew on it and suck on it, you know, and do everything they can, but they won't get much off of it because they can't chew effectively. So you cut stuff up and you imagine the size of their windpipe, right? I mean, you are an overprotective parent if you cut the peas in half. You might want to cut a big grape in half. Or the hot dog, you know, slice it down the middle. What are you doing? You're helping them learn to chew. Pretty soon, I mean, we had four, and basically at the end, we just kept throwing stuff on their tray till they choked. We said, well, they can't have that yet, you know? And so then we'd pull it. We didn't do that. I might have done that. When you're in restaurant business, is this that part where you said stay on track? <laughs> when you're in the restaurant business, I used to peel open jelly packets and bounce them off my one son's chest. And then he'd take his little finger in them jelly packets and dig them out and eat that. But I kept him quiet, so praise the Lord. <laughs> so notice what it says. <laughs> Verse number 13. Oh, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> I got off track and my wife even prayed for me. Verse 13, for everyone, everybody say that, for everyone. everyone. 
who partakes of only milk. See, when you only partake of milk, if it only suits your fancy and is easy to digest and you don't have to chew on it, if that's the kind of church you want, you showed up here today by accident. Because <laughs> this is not what kind of church we have. You've got to chew on these things. We expect you to mature, to grow up in the things of the Bible. And it says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But 14, but solid food, notice this, solid food belongs. Notice the ownership that maturity grabs a hold of in the area of solid food. A mature person will always be looking for something that they've got to chew on. When you come to church, be mature and look for something you could chew on for a week, 10 days, two months. Just keep going. I had, please forgive me, I'm going to go on another rabbit trail. <laughs> I found the John scripture, I think it's John 14, but I'm not exactly sure I was reading this week. And Jesus said, you know, that the Holy Spirit was going to come to them. And he said, and I'm going to send somebody you know. They'd never met the Holy Spirit before. But God knew that they'd met him because Jesus had him without measure. And he said, and he's been with you, but he will be in you. They didn't understand that a bit. They had to chew on that. And then God lit their hair on fire <laughs> in the upper room and the wind blew inside the room with the windows closed. Who believes that happened? Right? You've got to chew on this stuff. That the Holy Spirit showed up in such a dynamic way that we scratched our heads and we said, wait, what in the world just happened? And everybody who saw it said, these people are drunk. Peter said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Where did he get that? From the guy he said he didn't know a few verses earlier. He said he didn't know. So he says, solid food belongs Are you still with me? Solid food belongs. Mature people like solid food. I would tell you right now, I am not even tasting that stuff that comes out of them little jars. I mean, yuck. Unless maybe it's fruit, but then I still want to put sugar on it. Right? You know, it's not sweet enough. Did you know that, that I said this in, 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 in Sunday school, I see it's in my notes here. That your senses don't even have the ability to lead you without a filter. And so when you get to this place, you have to exercise your spiritual filter so that your eyes see what God offers. So that your ears hear what God offers. So you taste what God offers. So you feel what God offers. Are you getting this? Yeah. Right? It's so important. You don't have a sixth sense that doesn't exist. You have five senses that are filtered either through your flesh, your soul, or your spirit. You get to choose where you filter. That's the mature thing I'm talking about. Notice in verse 14 it says, Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Mature. That is, those who by reason of use, this is literally the pathway that creates a habit. I have yet to develop a good exercising habit. Physically. I know, I don't look like it. I really am the picture of, you know, that Atlas guy. But, but <laughs> probably not lost on you that I haven't quite figured out the whole exercise thing. Probably not lost on you that I haven't quite exercised spiritual authority in the stuff that I poke in. Okay? I know that it's a struggle for all of us 
But I also know that many of us refuse to exercise the spiritual side of things, so we're always moved by our flesh or our unregenerate soul to respond to what we see in the natural, what we hear in the natural, what we taste in the natural, how we process the natural. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to exercise the spiritual discernment necessary because it's reason of use, the channel of creating a habit. That's what it means. They have their senses exercised in verse 14. Thank you, Jeremy, for just following along and putting those things up there for me. This, this idea, the senses exercise. The word for exercise there is the word we get gymnasium from. I can't pronounce it in the Hebrew or in the Greek, but it's the word we get, we get uh, uh, gymnasium from. And it, it really is meant to show a willingness or an understanding of how we need to go to a place or be in a place to be encouraged to utilize all the tools that are at our disposal to exercise. If you don't have all the tools in your house, maybe you join an exercise club and you pay an X amount of dollars a month so that you can have access to the tools. When he says you have your senses exercised, what he's asking you to do is to pay attention to the tools that are offered in the spiritual gymnasium, the invisible gymnasium, so that you can exercise yourself by chewing, creating a, 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 a pathway for the habit to be developed. So that whenever you're faced with anything in life, the first thing you do is exercise your senses, your sight, your hearing, your smell, your taste, your touch. You exercise those things to get out of them what God is trying to show you. Not what you think needs done. We live in a world that is fixed by the presence of Jesus Christ, not by the presence of man. So to bring the presence of Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to exercise ourselves so that we carry that presence. We are literally conduits of the presence of Jesus Christ into a world that's dying without Him. Now you can pick your issue, whatever issue you have, but you are the conduit of Jesus Christ into a world dying without Jesus and His understanding. And you've got to chew on that a little bit. Right? How much responsibility do you have to do that? So again, we train in godliness because of the filter. Right? We train in godliness because we choose this filter. Ooh, training without reservation, that's so good. Can I, we, we sent most of the kids out. The word implies a level of intimacy. In, in the original word for gymnasium does. Go look this up. It's fascinating. It, it actually means nakedness. You say, wait, what? Yeah, you ever been in those, in, those, in those gymnasiums where they got all the big mirrors and you see those people who are put together pretty well looking at themselves in the mirror? Okay, they're, they're physically being intimate with what they've created. But what God wants us to do in spiritual nakedness is to be intimate with the image we're made in. Look in the mirror. James says, look in the mirror of righteousness to see what we're supposed to look like. That's why it uses that, that kind of terminology there. It's not meant to be offensive to you. Say, well, we've got to take all our clothes off. No, no, that's not what it's about. It's about a level of intimacy that looks into the mirror, not the natural mirror, but the spiritual mirror. James chapter 1, verse number 25, he, something like that. He who looks into the, the, the mirror of the Word of God or the righteousness and turns away and immediately forgets who he is. 
See, that's what he's talking about. This, all, this is connected to all of that. And he doesn't want us to turn away from the mirror and forget who we are. We have to exercise that. Amen. Does anybody know what that scripture is in James? I said the 25th verse. I want to make sure. I want you to have it. I'll get it for you. Say again. 23. If anyone is a hearer, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately. But he, 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. That's the mirror of God's creative intent for your life. Right? And he continues in it. It's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed in what he does. That's that whole passage right there. Good, good passage that you could put just in your memory and say, you know what? When I do these things, when I chew on these things, I should look in the mirror of his word and see that I'm becoming exercised in what I'm supposed to look like. Right? When you look into, I mean, I'm embarrassed. I, I try and wear extra layers of clothes when I go to an exercise place that's got a mirror. You know, because when you look in there, you don't know which way to stand to give, it, give the mirror your best side. <laughs> well, come on. Yes. You try and stand forward. And whenever you do this, what do you do? You stand up straight and you suck your stomach in. And then you turn sideways like this and you go, i got to suck it in farther than that. And then you realize you can't suck it in any farther. Because there's stuff in the way. See, we do that so naturally, but we don't do it spiritually because it takes some chewing. Amen? Hebrews chapter 5 again, notice it says, He is unskilled in the word, verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so I'm going to give you some spiritual exercise here. And I'm going to do it from an Old Testament passage in Isaiah chapter 55, if you'd like to turn there. And I want to show you how to exercise the part that needs to be chewed on. How to do this. See, if I, if I came to you and I brought all this exercise equipment out today, and by the way, I don't know how to use much of any of it. Um, you, you know, so, I mean, I, I've, I've seen some of you exercise and you're using dumbbells and you're doing all kinds of, you know, landing the airplane moves and that kind of stuff. And I don't know how to do any of that technically. Um, you know, I was an athlete in the day before there were weight machines. And, and so we just didn't do that. We were just skinny and we ran fast and jumped high and that was it. You know, and, and, and now, man, everybody everybody's looks like a bodybuilder. And, and they've learned how to do this, but the church hasn't kept up with its spiritual exercising because we've not found those passages in the Scripture that need to be chewed on. Isaiah chapter 55 is where we're going to start and end, I think. Here we go. Are you ready? Now, Jeremy, just when I come to a quote, and you think it's a good one, just go ahead and put them up for the people because I'm just going to stand out here with my Bible and, and preach this based on God speaking to me. Isaiah 55, verse number one. Ho! How many of you knew God was a rapper? <laughs> the point, he's, you see, I, I said that to be funny, but, but do you understand he's trying to get your attention? When you find a passage... Where God says something like, or Jesus says something like, truly, truly, if he emphasizes or says something that you think, think is odd, you ought to spend some time chewing on that. When God says truly, truly, he's about ready to dump something on you that's pretty powerful. 
We don't, even, we don't even ponder that. So he says, oh, he says to everybody, let me get your attention, everyone who thirsts. How many of you have ever been thirsty? Some of you can't make it through a church service without being thirsty. <laughs> I knew nobody would like that. Everyone who thirsts, and then he says, come to the waters. That's not the water fountain. You got to chew on this. And you who have no money. Do you understand what he's about ready to tell you? Because you've got to chew on it. He's saying everything that you need that is satisfying is free and does not require money. You've got to chew on that a little bit. Because the church has done a terrible job because what we do stacked in the middle of all the free stuff is we ask you for money. We do. Pass a bucket. We're trying not to make you feel guilty. Last, last week, I, when we, we didn't get the, the buckets out here from the last offering, and they were, they were sitting in the office. And I said, just throw it up and see if God catches it. And my, my little grandniece said, is that guy serious? <laughs> kind of am. He says, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Now notice, he said you don't have any money, but he said you're going to be purchasing something with something that you have. Come, buy, and eat. It needs to be chewed on. If I don't have any money, what am I buying with? My good looks? And what am I buying? If I don't need any money, how can I come buy wine and milk without money and without price? And why is it free? I just want to point out to you that these passages need chewed on. Because you can do just what Kayla said. You know, they get kicked out of their house. She comes up with a testimony. By the way, God moved reasonably quickly for you guys. You know, a few days and all of a sudden, you know, she's in, uh, working towards a, a new house. I mean, awesome. And of course, you can't really explain it. But you've got to chew on it a little bit. Because now that they have a house, I'll tell you what the next conversation that happens inside of everybody's brain is, can we pay for this? Right? Is that happening? <laughs> You're chewing a little bit? Yeah, see, God, how are you going to handle it? And, and so it's possible in, in their life, and I'm not trying to magnify them, although she's been a member of our church since she's been about 10 years old. And so, you know, she got to sit under this great dribble for a great number of years. And, and, and maybe she's chewed on it more than you have. Maybe she knows enough to look at God and say, God, I would never want to buy anything outside your will. But when I buy something, I sure wish you'd be involved because I'm going to trust you for what it costs. I mean, that's a different kind of chewing, right? Amen. And he says, he says, you who have no money. Well, wait a minute. I'm guaranteeing you that whoever Isaiah was talking to here, some of them had money. He says, you have no money. What he's actually saying is that you who have no money to trust in. Do you know that you can have money in your pocket and not trust in it and fit this, right? No, I, I got no money I trust in. My money doesn't have Jesus' picture on it. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. I find it absolutely amazing that God begins to promise us that everything that we're doing to try and satisfy with our natural money can be satisfied with spiritual understanding in a spiritual world after you chew on it for a while. 
you invisibly exercise this understanding. If you walked through, Tracy and I went to a home show recently because we're remodeling our house and, and the home show has everything there and they're trying to give you stuff. I mean, you walk by and they give you all kinds of, I mean, everything in the world. They give you free stuff. And the first time you're almost embarrassed when you walk up and you're looking at their table, at their little area for whatever's free and finally you say to them, is this free? Is this free? Can I have this? And pretty soon, you're like this crazed person looking for free stuff. We walked by a real estate guy. He had a bag. And I thought, man, I'm glad I stopped here first. There's a bag with, you know, Joe Blow real estate on there. And I just went like trick or treat. Is that free? Now, see, people can do that in a home show. But nobody considers that God has a banquet table of free stuff. And we haven't exercised our ability. And he trusts us to take what he shows us. But we begin to talk about that. And what we say is, oh, we don't deserve that. That was never the quotient that determined why it was free. It was never determined to be free because you deserve what's free. It was determined to be free because Jesus purchased it. That's why you don't need any money. It's already been paid for. It took a long time for my young children. Grandma and Grandpa had a restaurant and it took a long time for my young children to figure out you couldn't just go up in every restaurant and take a candy bar. (laughs) You could do that in Grandma and Grandpa's restaurant, but you can't do that in the restaurant down the street. You can't go to the back and make your own ice cream cone. Right? You can't go in the refrigerator and get what you want to eat because Grandma and Grandpa said, it's okay. It was absolutely totally free for them. They still tell, you know, my my kids are in their 40s and they still tell stories of grandma and grandpa and the free stuff. (laughs) Naturally, we just do it all the time. But we have not exercised our senses to understand what God has put on the banquet table of heaven that's free. It does not cost you anything. It was purchased by Jesus Christ. And we're walking down through there going, oh, yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. I didn't even know I needed this. But now that I see it, I know you've provided it for me. I mean, again, back to, back to Brad and Kayla's situation, um, it wasn't like Jesus built that house overnight. It was there, but then all of a sudden, almost like magic, she's walking by the, 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 the smorgasbord table of heaven and sees the house, and God says to her, make sure and tell me what you want so I can get the right house for you. I mean, it's just awesome. And what happens is we don't exercise that part because we feel embarrassed, like we're some sort of needy person, And so we won't ask God, we won't deal with that properly, and we never walk by the banquet table of heaven having chewed on what he gave us for free, what we need no money to buy, having chewed on that and chewed on that and chewed on that and walked by and picked up a healthy dose of grace that Jesus left there for you. A healthy dose of of mercy that carries you away from the problems that you're in. A healthy dose of healing that touches your body in ways that no physician but Jesus ever could. That's the free stuff. You've got to exercise yourself. Look at verse number two. Oh, you have no money. Did you put up that quote? did Did I spur you enough? That one. Do not let natural circumstances change your spiritual identity. You will never be poor in Jesus's sight. You will never be lacking in Jesus' sight. 
Do not let natural circumstances change your identity. You are blessed of the Lord. Don't let it change you. Okay, let's move on. Verse number two. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? You know, prophets sometimes have an interesting way of waking us up to the reality of how we live. Why do you spend money for things that you don't need? Wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, he says, and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. So why do we discern that money can buy satisfaction? This needs to be chewed on, right? There's nothing wrong with having money. I'm not opposed to that. I've got more than I probably deserve. The point is not what you deserve. The point is that everything that Jesus purchased by grace is accessible to you by faith. If you just see it that way. He says, why do you do that? Why do you buy for what I want to give you for free? God wants you to be so silly satisfied that you walk around with a smile on your face without having somebody having to remind you that you should be happy. I mean, why aren't we just crazy school girl happy for what God has provided for us? Why don't we have more giggling? I need to tell you, it tickles me. When I realize how much God has provided, I just go, man, I wouldn't have any idea even what to do with that. But yet I see it right there on the table. And I refuse to take just what I need. I want to take what I need and what you need. Just in case you missed your turn at the table. I want to give out what God's put in me just in case you missed your turn at the table. Does that make sense? And so what happens is we don't exercise ourselves. We don't chew on that going, really, God, you provided that much? Yeah, look what he said. He said, why do you do this for things that don't satisfy? He says, listen to me carefully and eat what is good. You're going to need some spiritual discernment on this one. You're going to have to chew on this one because not everything you're being offered in this world is good. Even some things that sound morally upright are not good because they require a level of human action to make them happen. If you'll pray, this is what God will do. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. That's what he said. Listen to me carefully. Are you ready? God does not require us. He merely involves us by grace. He will do his stuff. I told the Sunday school class this morning, Christ likeness is not something you do. It's something that God does in you. You cannot work hard enough to become Christ-like because you'll only be Christ-like in your own opinion, how you see yourself. You will not necessarily be Christ-like in relationship to his picture. So you've got to chew on these things. Why do you do that? Why is it that you can not uh, put up that next quote according to his word? It says, attending to his word will always inform you of satisfaction that cannot be bought. He says, listen to me carefully. It'll provide for you satisfaction that cannot be bought. Man, we have learned this lesson. Tracy and I have been learning this lesson over the last five years. Because we've been just like you. We've been in certain circumstances and and different things. You know of many of them. And and we're standing, you know, strong and praying and doing everything. And, you know, everything that the doctors say just can about shipwreck your life. And and, and you think there's no way in God's green earth that, that, that that I can think this is right, you know. And I'm just processing and I'm chewing. 
I'm chewing and chewing and chewing because I want to see the situation the way God sees the situation so that when it happens, and by the way, I think it happened uh, a, a week ago, two weeks ago, this coming tomorrow, that, that when it happens and there's no cancer in my daughter-in-law's body, everybody can rejoice because what he said would happen has now happened and we chewed on it long enough to became the only reality that we could see. Now, was it because that's the only reality? He doesn't do that so it produces it. He does that so you live it while you're waiting for it to be produced. Yes, amen. See, you're, you're, you're in better shape when you believe God for His best than when you whine about His worst. Does that make sense? Well, God never does anything for me. I can't believe that ever happened. And then you're always surprised by what God does. But when you exercise yourself and you chew and you chew and you chew, now you see... Hear, taste, feel, smell, everything that he's provided for you. And that becomes your reality of life and faith. You go, this is what God's going to do. I don't know when, but this is what God's going to do. It's the most awesome thing, but you've got to chew. Because I'm telling you what, there's some toughness in the meat of the spirit. You've got to chew. Notice it says then, again, that you would eat only what is good. Right? The spiritual discernment. I had a meal this morning, three and a half hours ago, and I was just poking at my mind going, what did I have for breakfast this morning? You know, it's one of those distractions because it's 1130 and, you know, it takes 10 or 15 minutes to get to the restaurant if we're going to go out and eat. And so, so pretty soon, you know, that my, my stomach's going to override my spirituality and, and it's going to be time to eat. I can't remember what I had for breakfast. But I'm positive I was nourished by it. Positive I was nourished about it. I can't remember what, everything that God says to me. I can't remember what God said to me yesterday in some cases. Not because my memory is bad, but because God just speaks to us to nourish us. Okay, I'd love to have some nourishment here. But you see, we've got to chew. We've got to exercise a spiritual discernment to eat only what is good, right? So eat only what spiritual discernment informs us is satisfying and nourishing. So you can chew on some stuff. The world is full of ugly stuff that you can eat. Well, you can't believe, Pastor, how terrible this world is. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. You know, it's just going to get darker and darker and darker, and Jesus is going going to have to rescue us. Well, the Bible says it's brighter and brighter till the noonday. Thank you very much. So in my world, it gets brighter and brighter until it's so bright you can't see the sky because Jesus is ready to split the sky. I'm good with that. It's It's a great day to be alive. You listen to, oh, the economy's bad. Depends on who's paying your bills. Are you tracking with me? You got to chew on that a little bit. You can trust yourself or you can trust God. Notice what he says then in the middle of uh, the tail end of verse number two. He says, listen carefully, eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Listen to me. Let your soul allow. You are the hindrance to you being abundantly supplied. In your thought process. You say, at the end of this, I'm going to put up a quote that says that every battle that you fight has to first be won in the invisible. This is one of those things. What your soul truly desires is supplied by his abundance. you got to chew on that. You say, well, that's not true in my life. I didn't ask you to tell me about your circumstances. I asked you to chew on what God's word says. 
My satisfaction comes from the abundance that Jesus Christ himself offers me. You say, I don't believe that. Chew on it for a while. Get all the nourishment you can out of chewing on this word. It'll bless you. Notice it says in the third verse, it says, incline your ear. Come to me here. Look at this. Underline this your Bible if you're, a, if you're an underliner. So your soul shall live. What did he just offer us? He offered us life-changing, soulish understanding. Your spirit always agrees with God. Your flesh never agrees with God. And your soul needs adjusted. And he said, listen, lean in. Do this. Listen carefully. And let your soul become alive through what you hear. Right? Does that make sense? And so when you get to that place and you're saying, well, I just don't believe all this stuff, Pastor. Let your soul be abundantly supplied by chewing on God's word. Just keep spending time. You say, well, it's just very hard. No, it's not hard. Write your scripture. If you can't remember it, write your scripture down on a, on, a, on a teeny tiny card. Just put it in your pocket. And every time that you have a minute, you know, you're driving or you're doing whatever, just bring that thing out and read it and let, let it work in you. Chew on it a little bit. He designed our souls to be satisfied by abundance that we didn't even know existed. But we chewed on it and we chewed on it and he nourished our soul to the place of living and we went, wow, I did not know that existed. Does that make sense? So you see, this invisible exercising is kind of important. It makes us understand Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's he asking us to do? Forsake everything else and before you make a move, chew on the kingdom of God for a while. What does that mean? It's near you. It's in you. Chew on it for a while. What's inside the kingdom of our God? What exists purely for the benefit of the subjects of the king? What did God provide for the subjects of his kingdom? Chew on it for a while. Let that abundance rise up inside of you. Right? So, so, so much of the time, we're, we're, we live short of what we know the Bible says God promised. And it's because we haven't exercised ourselves to discern good and evil. We haven't figured out what God would have us to do. So here's, here's your last quote. Come on, music team. Every struggle, every battle, every problem must be settled in the invisible first by exposing the natural discernment we use and replacing it with the spiritual discernment he offers. I am not denying that the world has some problems. I'm denying the total control and effect of that world that it can't happen in me. See, I've chewed on the word. That can't happen in me because God himself did not design me to be a garbage bucket of the cesspool of society. He did not design me for that. So I find myself chewing on those spiritual things going, no, God, you didn't educate me in discernment just so I can figure out the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You designed me to recognize what you provided for me and to show me that I'm a conduit from heaven to earth of everything you designed. So come and eat. Buy without money, God says. Why? Because he provided everything you needed. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk literally about the money side of things. For 10 weeks, we've talked more about the invisible side of things than we have about the visible side of things. 
But I needed you to get this. I needed you to understand the invisible because it informs the visible. I need you to understand the spiritual relationship of your money so that you'll operate from those principles rather than to operate from the principles of your flesh that says, well, surely if I give God enough money, he'll get, I'll get his attention. No, and I'll show you that scripture where that woman with the two pennies comes in and Jesus notices her, but doesn't notice the people that are given so much. It makes a statement about that woman's faith that'll blow your mind out. So you gotta chew on those things because it'll, it'll, it'll exercise you in the invisible world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand with me, would you please? Father, today in Jesus' name, we thank You. We find, Father, that You offer us food we've never seen before. Chewing that requires an effort on our part, Father, so that we might see the banquet table. What You provided for us for free. Who You are, what You've done, what You provided for us, Father, is available to us on the banquet table of God. Oh, we thank You, Lord God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.